Reading Corner today. I'm really delighted to be welcoming Jarvis, picture book creator of books such as Mrs. Mole, I'm Home, Alan's Big Scary Teeth, Lazy Dave and Fred Forgets, as well as illustrator of uh, books for other writers, Poles Apart, for instance, by Jean Willis and Odd Bods by Stephen Butler. But today we're going to be talking about what I think is a very special book, uh, and it's his latest. It's The Boy Who Grew Flowers. Did I get that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, the, boy the boy with flowers in his hair. In his hair. He doesn't grow flowers in his garden. He grows them in his hair. So you have to have that in the title. <laughs> anyway, Jarvis, yeah. look, it's really lovely to have you in the reading corner. And I do think this is a really special book. Um, maybe we'll start just by you reading it for us and we can pick up from there. Yeah, that would be a good idea. This is The Boy with Flowers in His Hair. His name is David. He's the boy with flowers in his hair and he's my best friend. Everybody likes David, even Mrs Jones and flowers make her sneeze. He's sweet and gentle, just like his petals. We have the best time together, finding the good puddles, making up songs and running away from the bees. Once he had a family of birds living in his hair for a whole month. It was really funny. But one day something happened. I was watering David's hair and one of the petals came off in my hand. That afternoon he didn't want to play. The next day he started wearing a hat. David never wore hats. He was quiet. David was never quiet. Mrs. Jones asked us to take off our coats and hats and scarves. When David took off his, petals fluttered down like butterflies. David was twiggy, spiky and brittle. Everyone stayed away in case they got hurt by his branches. I got a few scratches, but it wasn't David's fault. Then I had an idea. I asked Mrs. Jones for a paintbrush and some scissors and I found a way to give David his colour back. I made new flowers for David all the time. Everybody wanted to help. David seemed back to how he was before. Almost. Then one day I noticed a different flower in David's hair. It wasn't one of mine. It wasn't one of anyone's. It was David's. It was a real flower, a new flower prettier than ever. More and more of David's own flowers started to bloom and soon enough all those buzzy bees were back. So right now David has lots and lots of flowers in his hair but I'm making sure I still have lots of paper ones just in case he ever needs them because he's my best friend and I am his. There's so much that I want to pick up from that. And I think the first thing is that it feels more like a poem in many ways, a visual poem, because it's very elusive. It doesn't tell you what to make of this story. And I really love that. Mm, yeah, that was one of the things that came from writing from the point of view of the friend, mm. um, kind of, which was my first instinct you know, straight away to do. I don't know why. Um, 
It was more because the, 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 the way it works with me is I kind of make the pictures and the words at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so the pictures were telling me what the words should be. So one of the first pictures that, that kind of came to mind was uh, the boy with his friend uh, with a watering can pouring water over his head. And so that kind of told me, oh, he's got a friend. And so one of the first lines was uh, was basically the first first line of the of the story. His name is David. He's the boy with flowers in there, and he's my best friend. And so, because I was telling it from the point of view of a friend, like you say, like a poem, you're not getting the full story. You're only getting one point of view. Mm-hmm. And so there was lots I could leave out. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's things in this that I don't really understand myself. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's just how it was. It just came out quite naturally. One of the things that I would, uh, because obviously I do a lot of work in classrooms, and I often think about how these books are read and shared with children in the classroom. And I think it's one of those that you can definitely discuss, but I'd be very wary as a teacher of trying to pin down any meaning because I know that when I've talked to about this book with friends and colleagues they really have taken something completely different from it that's what I liked about it and the only thing that I pinned down in my head was that whatever happened wasn't David's fault you know the flowers wasn't it's just something that happened you know I didn't want to properly explain it and I also didn't want it to be a problem that could be fixed straight away by the friend. And mm-hmm. so I thought one important part was, you know, the friend is trying to help making these paper flowers. And it says, you know, David's back to his old self almost. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flowers come back and they are, you know, it's just time that makes them come back. There's no kind of explanation of why they come back mm-hmm. in the same way there was an explanation of why they disappeared. So for me, it was actually not really about the flowers or what happened. It was more about the friendship and this kid sticking by his friend. Mm. I love the way that the friend, who we don't know, he's the narrator, we don't know his name, but he's very intuitive and responds at that level. He doesn't ask in this book. He just kind of reaches out and does what he thinks is is needed. And that's so beautiful. Um, mm. I also wanted to say that, you know, the book seems very different in tone to the other books that you've written. Um, you are known for your sense of humour. And although there is a little gentle humour in this, you know, the bees that are kind of swarming around his hair, um, it's not a funny book. So it is very different, I think, in tone to what you've done before. Did that lead to you approaching the writing of it in a different way or not? Well, here's the thing. Because I was being led by the images, there were some images that I thought, that's funny. You know, the boy with the with the watering can, watering his friend, I thought, that's quite funny. And just the surreal nature of this kid who just happens to have flowers you know, not questioned by anybody. I thought that's just a kind of humorous starting point. But because, like I said, I was, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of got right into the story by almost being, you know, being the friend. It was just 
more natural to be quite emotional with the language. So um, it was more the style that that meant this was a bit different. And yeah, you're right. My previous books, I am, I am, I do tend to make funny books, and that's one of the things that that scared me a little bit when I had to go out to schools on the, you know, the launch of this, and I was a little bit uh, apprehensive about how this would go down. Um, but I actually really enjoyed the fact that everybody was just kind of leaning forward in their seats and, you know, there was the odd little gasp here and there when mm. he loses the the petals, but that was it. Everyone was kind of engrossed in the story. Mm. And so I enjoyed telling this sort of thing. So actually, I think in the future, I might tell more of these sorts of stories. It also looks very different visually to, although you do have quite a varied visual look I think in your books I suppose one of the things that immediately strikes your eye is the amount of white space and the fact that there's not much apart from this table in the classroom it's not situated in a setting as such the focus is very much on the characters Um, so how did you come to work that through uh, well, what I always do with a book, because making a book is it's it's quite a hard thing, really. There's so many things to think about. So for me, I like to break it down and just go, with this book, what is the one thing that if I took it out of the book, it, you know, it wouldn't exist? And so for this book, it was obviously the flowers. So that was that was kind of what I aimed all my efforts at making. And once you've made one element, that kind of tells you how the rest of it should be. So because I'd made these flowers that I liked and they work so great on white, you know, and they were all these different colors. So just, just from a kind of practical standpoint to put a color behind these flowers would mean they wouldn't kind of sing as well as they do on white. So that just gives you the clue that, Oh, this should be on white. And then the, the kind of the way that the flowers look tends to uh, inform the rest of the book. So really the flowers are the brightest thing in the book. And so that's kind of what, what informed it. It meant that everything was quite minimal because the flowers had to sing mm-hmm. on each page. When we look at the pictures, they look very painterly, but I know that you created this using Procreate on iPad because I've read that, so I know that. Um, and yet they are. I mean, I'm looking at some of the texture on the page, even though we've said it's very white, there are sort of those areas that look a little bit watermarked, like you get with water mm-hmm. colour paint, for instance. So it really does look incredibly painterly. Uh, have you been surprised at the kind of subtlety that you're able to get with that digital technology? For a very long time, I was the snootiest of snooty that you know i would i would kind of think oh if you want to put it in a book it's got to be the real deal you know you don't want to be using a photoshop pretend watercolor brush or blah 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 because you can just tell um and it me it just always took me out of the world of the book if i could look at something and then see oh that was done like this so I was kind of snooty about it, 
until I started playing around um, a couple of years ago. And then I'd realized it had all kind of changed and got a lot better and a lot more natural. And for me, it actually (laughs) made me start drawing a lot more because I'm not someone who keeps a sketchbook. I never really have been. But this now became almost like a sketchbook and I was I was actually drawing in downtime because it was so easy and it could look for me what I, I I'm kind of drawn to lots of mark making and you know it's cool that you said oh you, you do kind of move around in styles because each book for me has to have its own personality um, and I kind of approach each book a bit differently and, you know, you learn from one book and then you might take certain elements of that to a next book, but try and find new ways of doing things. And so this was just a new way of doing things. I wonder, and I'm interested to know, though, whether you were able to achieve, you know, I'm talking about that bit that's not bold colour. You you know what I mean, where you've kind of got, it does look like the water's dripped a little bit on the page. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. But I wonder whether you've not, if you hadn't worked with materials yourself and seen the effects that they oh. create, whether you would have been able to yeah. transfer that to the digital stuff in quite the same way. That's true. It doesn't work in the same way. If I got a paintbrush and slapped it on, you might get some wet bits and some harder bits and some scratchy bits. With working on Procreate, you almost have to um, think about adding those parts and so you think oh no there needs to be a wet bit or a bit of a dry bit there you know that so you are thinking about how this stuff works in real life Mm -hmm. and helping it along a bit but I also I like the randomness of being able to use all of these mark making techniques and this is the thing I think it just fits in with how I work I won't keep on this line for too much longer but I am interested as well to know whether you have to exercise a bit of restraint because it must be like being in a sweetie shop you can do anything with this stuff at the touch of a button and if you put just anything down and everything it could end up as a total mess (laughs) so you must need quite a lot of restraint (laughs) absolutely and it will look a mess I mean that's been my experience even using the real stuff, you know, my processes kind of throw everything down and then start taking away what isn't really needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously digitally, you can do that a lot easier than the real thing. But I know what you mean. When when everything's at your fingertips, you have to set rules for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always say a lot of illustration is actually down to choices rather than uh, just being good at drawing. You know, it's all about the decisions you make rather than, you're really good at drawing trees. It is interesting. Quite a lot of um, illustrators I've spoken to recently who have worked digitally moving the other way. And I guess it's about keeping things, partially anyway, keeping things fresh for yourself. Yeah. Let's have a look in the book. I'm going to go to that classroom scene, actually, which I love um, with Mrs. Jones, who, although you didn't get her visually sneezing all over the place for the humour, you do just gently weave that in that, um, you know, the flowers do make her sneeze. Wonderful observations of children playing together here. So you've told me you don't carry a sketchbook with you. And you're going to say, do I draw these from life or 
do I have references or something mm. like that, but I actually don't. Um, and I, what I tend to do is like look at my own body now and again, you know, for little ways of sitting or putting your arms or just different kinds of body language. Or mm. so I, I'll tend to just kind of like look look down and see what I'm doing as a as a guide. Um, and for me, yeah, the kids, I was really happy with how the kids came out. Um, you're always trying to, I'm trying to kind of walk a line between cartoony and arty to sort of kind of put it in really crude fashion. And I, I almost want it to be somewhere in between the two. I want them to have character. Um, but I also like, uh, you know, to be able to make something that just looks good, just something you might want to just look at or put on your wall. So yeah, that was that. I was I was happy with how they came out. Wonderfully inclusive classroom without needing to comment on it really. It just is. That's the thing. I wanted it to be kind of like a real classroom and have a kind of real kind of buzz about it, really. You've got your idea, you've got your flowers that are so important to this story. And then you've got to pace this story across 32 pages or whatever it is. The colours that we're seeing, they are present on just about every page. So the colour remains consistent. So you have to do other things to keep us surprised, as it were. How do you do that? What have you done here? Well, here's the um, the cheat. Because I'm an illustrator, and like I said before, I was thinking of the images at the same time as writing them. When I'm doing that, I'm actually thinking, what would be a good picture? So so for me, this, this book is made up of lots of pictures I knew were going to look good <laughs> and that were kind of different. So I thought, what would be a good picture? Oh, I know that a kid being surrounded by birds coming down, that will make a nice little picture. That will be a, a memorable image. And then with the watering can, I knew that would be good. I also knew that the picture of the friend looking down on lots of petals on the floor mm. would be a striking image. So th these were pictures that were coming in my head before I'd actually written the words. You know, they were almost just like little parts of a storyboard of a film that I thought that would be a striking image. Um, and again, the picture where even the, the picture of the classroom where they're waiting to go into class, just the idea, the kind of contrast of David's friend being at the front and David being at the back with his hat on and all the kids kind of a bit oblivious to what's going on, apart from the little redhead at the back. You know, that I, th I knew that would be a nice image as well. Even the teacher's not really aware, is she? She's more focused on getting the class into the classroom and that distance between... David and his friend, but the connection too through the gaze and the eyes there. And I think fun. also just I, I like how there's other stuff going on. So I just think of the girl who's got the little teddy bear and she looks a bit kind of nervous almost, you know, mm. that she's got her own story going on. Mm. And the kid who's showing the worm, well, you yeah. can tell what kind of kid he is. Every teacher, that will be recognisable. Somebody coming in, they've got to show you first thing in the morning. They've got to show you what they've got. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I think that, but, but by adding in these sort of like normal 
everyday things, you know, even just like the kid dragging his bag on the floor, that helps to create this realism, mm. this kind of real life situation. Yeah, it would it would have looked a little bit more boring if everybody was just stood completely mm. in line. It kind of adds a bit of tension, the fact that everything's going on as normal, but there's something wrong with David. Just while we're paused on this page, uh, when people come to look at the picture, I would just say to look at the wide range of textures. We look as though we've got crayon. We look as though we've got paint. We look as though we've got mm. pen with that kind of textured scratchy coat that she's got it's really lovely that's what i like with creating any artwork i like the eye to kind of bounce off lots of different things um it wouldn't look right if everything was done in exactly the same way with exactly the same mark making technique uh, there needs to be this sort of difference i always think of it like you know if you're making a meal mm. Uh, you know, you, if I just made you a bowl of slop and it all tasted exactly the same and it was exactly the same texture, then you wouldn't be very happy. You know, if I made a meal and there was crunchy bits and chewy bits and soft bits and salty parts and everyone would be happy. So that's what I think of with illustration. I think of it as like, oh, we can have a bit of everything as long as it's kind of balanced. All about the balance. So um, I just have one final question for you, really, and that is what were you most pleased about when you completed uh, this book? Uh, the cover and the fact that the cover remained the cover from the very beginning to the end because, that's, you know, that's unusual because really the cover was basically the first thing I did and it's like probably the best cover I've done. It's kind of striking. It stands out. It kind of sums it up. It gives you an insight into the story, but um, I also want to put it on my wall, you know, that mm. sort of thing. That's interesting. I think that's the album cover designer in you as well, wanting that as a final piece of work that you could put on your wall. Um, for me, uh, the cover works so well because it's quite unusual. You know, it's just the boy's head, basically, and the flowers. So in a way, it's, it's a bit of a risky choice because it does. I like it that it doesn't tell us too much about what's going to go on in this story. And for me, it's intriguing. But there was, I'll tell, I'll tell you, there was one wobble halfway through when someone said, do we want a severed head <laughs> on a book? <laughs> and uh, so for one kind of week, I did try out putting... Uh, some shoulders and a jumper uh, and a neck, you know. Um, but it totally, you know, just by doing a simple thing like that, it changes something from being quite kind of iconic looking and mm. simple and bold to quite everyday. Mm. And yeah, like an album cover, I do think of it like a bit of a, um, when I was doing it, I was thinking, oh, this looks a bit like a lad insane. You know, that's kind of striking David Bowie. There's something unusual about this kid, and uh, it reminded me of a, an album cover. Uh, and yeah, I am I am a bit like that. I am always trying to do um, covers that that are a bit like an album cover. That's why I love picture books as well because that's they are they almost are like little they're the, like the last piece of art, commercial art that's uh, in shops. Fantastic. Jarvis, it's been 
a real pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you so much for giving us, you know, some deep insight into how this book was created. Uh, And as I say, a very special book, I think. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on. I've enjoyed this chat. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. This episode is generously sponsored by Walker Books. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk. Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.